Let us pray. Amen. Faith is about hearing. That does not mean that our thoughts, emotions, sight, smell, taste, and touch are not involved. But faith is primarily about hearing. When it comes to God's self-disclosure to us, God is lovingly loquacious. In other words, God has a lot to say, meaning that we have a lot to hear. And to be clear, I am not restricting this to auditory hearing. Those who are dealing with hearing loss and deafness can, without question, be people of faith who still very much hear the voice of God speaking. Faith is about a word spoken from the beautiful and infinite love of God directed to us. It's no accident when God has something to say, we are sent prophets who have a message. When God chose to come among us, John describes it as the word becoming flesh. The story of Jesus is called a gospel, which translates to good news. The story of Jesus is news to hear about. And as St. Paul puts it in one of his letters, faith comes by hearing. What that means for us as a people of faith who are seeking to be in tune with God, that the Christian life is about listening. So often, though, we are told that Christianity is about what we are supposed to do, or not do, as the case may be. That's called moral theology, or ethics, and it has a place. But the first step, before we do or refrain from doing something, is to listen. Being a person of devotion is about putting ourselves into situation and states of mind where we can be attentive to God, where we can reflect on how the Spirit is moving in our lives, where we can seek to be in resonance or harmony with God. We might say that the Christian is someone who has heard the voice of God and knows the claim that that voice makes on their life. And this understanding of faith as something heard is essential for us to bear in mind as we consider this morning's scripture readings. We begin with Psalm 139, which our collect for purity that we use most Sundays is derived from. Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Now telepathy, being able to read minds, that might seem like a pretty neat superpower until you actually think about it. For one, I think a lot of us would be disappointed to find out how infrequently people actually think about us. And when they do, I'm not so sure that we want to know what they think. Imagine if you didn't have to let something slip past your lips, you just had to think it for the fight to begin. No, I don't think we actually want to be telepathic. We certainly don't want our inner thoughts and emotions to be an open book to everyone. Psalm 139, though, says that we are fully seen and known by the God who created us. And maybe it seems a little bit overwhelming 
to have someone know us better than we even know ourselves. But it's actually a liberating truth. For one, it reinforces that message of grace. God knows us. Our unspoken thoughts. The yearnings of our hearts. Even the things that would take decades in therapy to pull out of our subconscious. To God, all hearts are open. All desires known and no secrets are hid. And yet, yet despite the fact that God knows our doubts, our flaws, our mistakes, our imperfections, God chooses us before we ask to be chosen. God forgives us before we apologize, loves us before we take our first breath. The one who calls to you deeply and intimately knows and loves you. And this means that how God speaks to each of us is going to be a little bit different. God knows how you need to be spoken to versus how I need to be. Which means that God might tell your neighbor something that God has not told you. God might be telling you, slow down. Whereas your friend might be hearing, get to it. And there's two points to make here. One is that because God speaks to all of us with a slightly different accent, it means we would do well to share what God is saying to us. Because when we share what we've heard from God, we have a fuller and larger picture of what God is up to in our beloved community. Sharing what we think we hear God saying is also a good way to make sure that what we're hearing really is from God and not a subliminal message from advertisers influencers or our own sinful thinking and desiring and secondly because god speaks to us all just a little bit differently it means that you don't need to worry if your sense of spirituality your way of being attuned to god is different than someone else's think about it in terms of a radio frequency maybe you are in tune with god best when you dial into 89.9 Someone else, though, is tuned into 88.5. The temptation is to think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I guess I need to change. Now, yes, there are certain frequencies that God has given us where there is always good reception. Scripture, Eucharist, beauty, serving those in need. But just because someone else tells you about the great and spiritual walk in the woods that they had, and whenever you walk in the woods, you just get cobwebs in your face and a sprained ankle. That's okay. Their spirituality does not have to be yours. So a part of learning to listen to God is learning how uniquely God speaks to you. And that might take some practice, some trial and error, even learning something new. Because it could be that God speaks to you in a way or in a language that you don't yet know. But I can assure you that God is speaking and has something glorious and wonderful to say to you. As we heard in the reading from 1 Samuel, one thing that ought to really get our attention is repetition. The Lord called to Samuel three times before Eli helped him to recognize that it was God speaking to him. You might remember that movie from 1999, The Matrix in which the characters interact with a computer-simulated world, and when one of the characters has an experience of deja vu, they are warned, be on alert. 
Something that gets repeated means the simulation is changed. Not only does God have a lot to say, but God is not afraid to repeat something over and over and over again until our attention is caught. So when you keep running into the same passage of Scripture all the time, you keep feeling the same nudging, you keep hearing the same thing in sermon after sermon, take that as a sign that God is trying to get your attention. And when it comes to hearing God's voice, don't be surprised when it comes from a place that you would not expect to hear God's voice. It's what one person has called the Nazareth principle, which we heard about in the reading from John. Upon hearing that the Messiah, Jesus, is from Nazareth, Nathanael asked Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In those days, Nazareth was an off-the-radar sort of town, not known for anything. Everyone expected the Messiah would come from Jerusalem. Or, at the birth of Jesus, they found a prophecy in Micah that said the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. But Nazareth? No, that small and forgotten little town would never produce anything of greatness. Certainly not the Messiah of the cosmos. But the fact of the matter is that God's voice can be heard over a table conversation at Cracker Barrel, between the bomb blasts and rubble in Gaza, around a circle at the meeting of the Anonymous, on the locked dementia wing over at Trinity Oaks, in a therapist's office, or from a Jewish peasant who hung on a Roman cross. God's voice does not always come through the eloquent words of a preacher, from an angelic visitor, in a verse of scripture that just jumps off the page. Often the voice of God comes in the most unlikely of places. It's why Jesus comes from Nazareth, why the Savior of the world was Jewish, not Roman, why he was born not to a royal family, but an unwed teenage girl, why his followers are not perfect people, but rather are flawed, unqualified, uncertain characters like you and me. When God speaks, prepare for a surprise. And it's not just a surprise, but God's voice is exciting. When the Lord began to speak to Samuel, the message is, I am about to do something that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. The voice of God gives us goosebumps, makes our hair stand on edge. It summons us to be on full alert. When God speaks, it is a tingling experience, an electric sort of encounter with new possibilities. And when we encounter those tingles, we ought to celebrate it. I've been telling you all for a couple of months that I have a sense that God is up to something at St. Luke's. I cannot paint a picture exactly of what the Spirit has in mind for us. It's still coming into focus. But I can point to some signs that the Spirit is up to something at St. Luke's, to things that make my ears tingle. Now, I will confess that from time to time, my imagination becomes captive to stories of decline and the struggle that many churches face. To be clear, we are not where we were before the pandemic began. On the average Sunday going into 2020, between all of our worship services, we had about 160 people in worship. 
Today, that number is about 120. There are times when it is so much easier to hear the voices of my own pessimism and fear than it is to listen for that tingling voice of God. But today I am celebrating that in the pledge campaign for 2024, we have 14 households who made a pledge this year that did not last year. It's a sign both of growth and a deepening commitment. The total dollar amount pledged is up 8% over 2023. It's the largest stewardship campaign in this parish's history. The average pledge is up over $300 since last year. It's a sign that there is something vibrant and vital happening at St. Luke's. A sign that you all have heard the voice of God speaking and are responding faithfully. Now, yes, we have a lot more listening and growing to do, but it's also good to celebrate that tingling good news when we hear it. And as far as what God will say to us when God speaks, it's going to continue to come into focus as we listen, but we know the direction. It's the same as the direction that Jesus gave to Philip. Follow me. Jesus is on the move in our parish and in our community, and the voice of God is going to tell us, come with me. Because rarely does God say, you are perfect exactly where you are, don't move, don't change a thing. Part of hearing the voice of God is about being transformed and changed in response to it. Our foundation spent a good part of the last two years in a period of discernment, intentionally listening for God's voice in terms of how we do mission and evangelism. And we responded with some changes. We heard the voice to help more people come and see. And so we started the occasional liturgy known as Sacred Space, which we held last night. The icons that we added in this worship space are the result of following Jesus into beloved community. A part of what it means to listen for God is to be open to the places where Jesus is leading us. This is central to what it means to be a person of faith to be someone who listens for God. We are not called to be a people of nostalgia, but rather a people of hope. Yes, we can be proud of the past, we can celebrate those accomplishments, but the church is not a museum. We are not a historical society. No, we are a vessel being propelled forward by the Spirit into God's future of beloved community and abundant grace. Because while it is gracious and wonderful that God spoke to Samuel, that Jesus called Philip and Nathaniel, what is truly glorious is that God is still speaking. Christianity does not rest on the foundation of what God's, God said. Rather, we are here because God is saying something still. In every generation, including ours, God has a word to speak. The story of the church is the story of people who have heard the voice of God. And that is what our nation celebrates this weekend, that Martin Luther King listened and responded to the voice of God. It was January 27, 1956, when King received a late-night phone call at home. 
This was not the first threat that he had ever received, but this one seemed a little bit more real. The person was threatening to kill him and his family. And there was a bomb detonated at his house three days later, so his intuition about this was correct. But the night of that threat, King recalled sitting down at the kitchen table and praying as his young family was asleep in the next room. God, I thought you had called me here to Montgomery. I thought I heard you telling me to lead a bus boycott. But now it seems like my family is at risk and I am not sure if I'm supposed to be here. It's an experience that many struggle with. Not hearing God's voice in response to our pleas. Wondering, where is God in my suffering? And I wish that I had an answer for why sometimes it does seem that God is silent. But as we heard in 1 Samuel, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Though there are times when it seems dim, the light of God is always with us. If you need help listening, let me know and we'll try to listen together. King says that though he had struggled to hear anything up to that point, that night he heard a reply. Just as surely as God had spoken to Samuel and Jesus to Philip, God told him, Where there is no way, I will make a way. And indeed, God made a way through prejudice and through racism to get the Civil Rights Act passed. As King became a prophet for beloved community, a prophet at St. Luke's that we are still guided by. And just as certainly as God had a word for Samuel, for Philip, for Martin Luther King, the God who knows us and loves us has a word for each of us and for all of us together. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening.